The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, some staggering numbers being released in the past 24 to 48 hours. Fiscal snapshots of provinces across the country, including right here in Alberta. Uh, just yesterday, uh, the provincial finance minister, Travis Taves, described what Alberta has encountered as a, a triple whammy. Number one, the pandemic-driven worldwide economic contraction. Number two, having to deal with that pandemic. And number three, an unprecedented drop in energy prices. All of that has pushed the province into a historic deficit of $24.2 billion. That's triple what the UCP projected in its February budget. Now, the Conference Board of Canada said this week that Alberta will be the hardest hit province economically this year with an 11% contraction in GDP. And today, Statistics Canada announced Canada's GDP dropped 38.7%. 38% point seven percent between april and june well what does this all mean and how do we dig our way out of it to take a look at that we welcome back to the show michael campbell the host of money talks right here on the chorus radio network hey michael welcome back well, you've certainly depressed me. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And and that's what the text line is sounding like, too. It's like, how the heck are we going to get out of this, Michael? I mean, people are worried, although I believe that some people see these numbers and go, well, they're just so big, they just ignore them. They don't know what to think about them. Well, I think that's absolutely true, especially when you start talking about debt numbers. I mean, as you just alluded to, you know, Alberta's deficit, $24.2 billion. Ontario's about $38 billion. Uh, Quebec, fifteen billion. BC, twelve and a half billion. I mean, you just start going, yang, 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 and then you get to the federal level. Of course, at three hundred and seventy plus billion dollars. Mm. Yeah, I think the numbers are actually too big, and they overwhelm people. So we kind of ignore them there. Uh, the, the one thing about the GDP numbers, though, is we saw that you know Canada-wide. 38.7%. Keep in mind, of course, that's just for the second quarter. Yes. And that number is only if we keep repeating it, and we're not going to repeat it. So the overall final number isn't going to be that bad. Uh, the debate is, okay, so we have a good third quarter. I think that's pretty much the consensus now because it's a rebound. Uh, but what happens in the fourth quarter? You know, at some point, I mean, it's very clear that the government's sending out these checks and, and spending a lot of money has mitigated a lot of the damage on the shorter term. I mean, I'll give you one example. It's kind of interesting. Canadian savings rates have never been higher. Uh, you know, so a lot of Canadians didn't need that money immediately, and so they've just parked it. Mm. And that's fascinating for the recovery because I've been sort of going back and forth in my head. I've been willing to challenge the, it seems like, the consensus view that we needed to lock down the economy uh, in order to uh, fight the spread of the, uh, of the virus. I, I'm still not ready to say that. I, I think I need more evidence. But I think, I'll tell you, coming back, though, I think the savings may also give us a little hint that we're not going to fully recover until people are willing to spend that money. Like, yeah. Uh, I personally, for example, I think I've had one cup of tea outside of my home. <laughs> I'm a tea. I'm a tea drinker. You know, at an outdoor place, just once. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't feel any urge to get on an airplane. For example, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying, I look at myself and I think maybe I'm typical of one of the challenges. I, I'm looking at my Visa cards and uh, thinking, gosh, I haven't spent this little in an age. You know, so <laughs> that may be one of the big problems. Is that it, 
when are people willing to fully participate yeah. in, in the areas we're allowed to? So there's a lot inside these numbers. Well, that's building confidence, isn't it? The, you know, they, they yeah. have to continue to build confidence in how you do that when we're still being told to, you know, stay home as much as possible or make sure you're in that cohort and follow all of these rules. And, and it's it's been difficult. When you look at that, you mentioned the provinces um, together, what that $100 billion combined, mm-hmm. and then you look at, was it $375 billion worth of federal uh, spending so far on all of this. I mean, <laughs> how, how do we start to um, come out of this? I know in September yep. we're, we're supposed to hear words of that federal uh, economic recovery plan, but what does that look like? Yeah, and, and it's, it is interesting because we have to, one of the things I think has been missing, and I'm this is a broad statement and I get that, it's a generalization, but I've heard enough media coverage uh, that most of it should have started with, we're all going to die. Mm. You know, someone's screaming, we're all going to die! You know, I don't think that's been particularly productive in, in being sort of rational. It's the same with these kinds of numbers. I mean, for example, in Alberta's case, uh, I'm not sure if there's a problem that wouldn't trade their debt to the overall size of the economy, the debt-to-GDP ratio. It's still very low in Alberta. You know, BC sort of in that ballpark too, but way better than Ontario or Quebec. Uh, so there's an example that tells me that Alberta's got time uh, if they address the problem, and that's really the pro- you know the challenge here is that at federal level too. The more debt we add on, well, our flexibility sort of goes out the window, and the time frame becomes shorter to get this stuff together. I, I still like Alberta's uh, you know challenge in that way because they have a low debt to GDP ratio, but. We also recognize we've got a big revenue problem. You know, we've got a problem, of course, with a double whammy. And I think this is why the conference board said Alberta's going to be hit the hardest. Is you know, Saskatchewan and Newfoundland also suffer, but not like Alberta when it came to the drop in demand for oil and the price decline. You know, and we, and this is look at what was happening pre-pandemic. I mean, that's post-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, we are seeing an exodus, an exodus of capital investment. Yep. And, the fact is you need capital investment if your economy is going to grow in any area. And, and that also, by the way, tells me uh, I'm going to evaluate any federal plan very straightforward. Does it address the areas that need help? You know, not every industry suffered. I mean, I wouldn't mind owning a, a grocery store. I wouldn't mind owning an online <laughs> retail outlet. I wouldn't mind being in tech and probably pretty much anything. But I sure wouldn't have wanted to be in hospitality or restaurants. I wouldn't want to be in the travel industry. So it's where they're going to direct that money. And we know which workers got hurt the most, especially younger ones. So I want to see, I'm just really worried it's going to be a one-size-fits-all because this is not a one-size-fits-all problem. And also, sorry, a a big difference between rural and urban, too. Oh, So any policy, we just can't do the regular kind of photo big picture, look-at-me kind of approach. This is, you know, as the Alberta deficit, I hoped, uh, told people, this is serious stuff. And I'm still not convinced, by the way, we get the economic and financial significance of what's been happening here. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty hard to wrap your head around it. And and one of the things that you've said, I mean, as soon as, and you know, I, it was on your on your website uh, earlier today, and oh, tons of great stuff uh, on there. But you know, you had said one of the things you were talking about the the federal economic recovery plan now because you didn't want to get bogged down by the politics uh, after it comes out. But here's the thing, Michael, you know this, and I know this. As soon as something gets put out there, it gets bogged down in politics. So yep. you have said that we have to shelve that but how likely is really that going to happen uh not very and we've seen that right from the get-go i thought it's kind of interesting at the outset of the uh, pandemic i would have evaluated uh, what i was seeing out of the federal government as 
you know, uh, pretty non-political in nature, but I saw that escalate. Uh, as we kept going, there was more and more sort of politics in it. And, uh, again, people support the government aren't going to like to hear that, but I think it's very difficult to get away from that. I mean, I, I thought some of the latter announcements it could have just been confused for a campaign announcement. And, you know, at the provincial level, the way they've turned over to the uh, provincial health officers, I think that's been helpful in taking the politics out. But you're 100% right. I mean, when they remove uh, Finance Minister Bill Morneau at the federal level, replaced with Christia Freeland, and one of the first things that's out of her mouth is that all Canadians agree it's got to be a green recovery and it's got to mm. be equitable. All these words that are sort of political word salad. You know, I mean, what the heck does that mean? How is that going to translate? What are the details here? Because I can tell you, if there's an agenda other than let's get capital investment going in this country, uh, another thing that I like Alberta is leading the way, but we have a lot of stuff to go for. Let's remove interprovincial trade barriers. They're costing us, what, $50 billion a year in this country? Yeah. Well, you know, when, we'll get, when we get serious, we'll remove those. We'll stop the petty politics and the, the individual uh, provincial concerns. And as I say, uh, uh, Premier Kenny has led the way on that, saying we're prepared to do that. And uh, we need to do that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not optimistic at all that they'll be able to take the politics out of it, and that will be a massive disservice uh, to the economy and the recovery. Without recovery in the oil industry, without a rebound in the oil industry, Michael, what happens here in Alberta? What happens on a national level? Well, the Bank of Canada, by the way, in their statements, and one of the things, again, I've been sort of curious about is we've focused a lot on, you know, what's happening out of Ottawa, you know, in that kind of policy. The Bank of Canada has been every bit as active, and it sort of goes under the radar. And plus, if you want a breath of fresh air, listen to one of their press conferences. It's absolutely a no BS zone. They tell it like it is. Mm -hmm. One of the things they have told us very clearly, without the oil industry recovery, we are not going to have any kind of a recovery nationally, and obviously it's not going to be a recovery in Alberta. And that has been recognized. Uh, Yes, I do see reports, and there's some very good people working at the University of Calgary who I read their stuff. But we still got to get that we have an, uh, you know, an economy that does have a significant dependence on the oil industry, say 10% of the GDP before the pandemic. You know, the capital investment has been very, very important for uh, continued growth. And it's just being realistic. And I'll throw one other thing at you here. There's Christian Freeland, who's very appropriate now. She's deputy prime minister, but now the finance minister, made it very clear in an interview in uh, January with the Financial Times, I think it was January, it was this year, saying Canada can't move the dial on emissions globally. And she's absolutely correct. We're not big enough. Huh. Uh, you know, the kind of numbers we, they throw around, if, if we close the entire oil sands projects down, it's 15 one hundredths of 1%. That's kind of like everybody in Beijing has a barbecue. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just so what we have to do is practical policy. You know, where do we get the best bang for the buck? Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of other things we could be doing, but that kind of a conversation isn't, hasn't taken place, and I can only hope that it does. It starts, you know, 
So, yes, we do need the oil industry to recover. Uh, obviously, tens of thousands of workers rely on mm-hmm. that. But the overall economy does too, not just Alberta. You know, I was uh, after um, the Finance Minister Taves here in Alberta released his fiscal update yesterday afternoon. A number of people, of course, they're weighing in. And, you know, the Finance Minister suggesting that uh, more cuts would uh, be on the way, that they're going to have to continue to tighten purse, purse strings. And I've heard people say, though, that you can't just cut your way out of this. This is too big. You can't just cut your way out of this. Increasing um, taxes um, on, on on the rich isn't, you know, the the uh, the, the golden egg either. I mean, that th- th- this this is a really complicated thing that has to be looked at um, more than just, you know, cutting this, cutting that. Yeah, I'd come back to also, and things have got to be politically palatable. That's a big challenge. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big variable that makes this more difficult, including the recovery-only policy regarding recovery. But you're absolutely right. I mean, this is too big a problem. You're certainly not going to solve it. I mean, people should just simply look at the numbers. We know how many people make over about 300000 a year in this country. You know, and uh, in Alberta, off the top of my head, I think it's like 55000 You really think you can take, you're already taking half of the income. Uh-huh. You really think there's more to take there that'll make a big difference. If you start raising taxes on business, great. You've now just created a massive disincentive for business to reinvest. And that's what we really need. And you certainly need an element, yes, I think they should prioritize all their spending and say, are we getting a bang for the buck? We should finally do that and see what works. The second, but I mean, without economic growth, think of that federal level deficit, $375 mm. billion. That is not going to be solved with anything other than economic growth, but really significant economic growth, not this 2% or 1.8% that we've been experiencing. I mean, keep in mind, uh, people seem to forget this is not all about the pandemic. We already had problems coming into the pandemic. Yeah. And you might recall that when people recall the rail strike, mm-hmm. you know, or the blockades. I mean, my goodness gracious, we're just kissing money away at that point. I think what the pandemic should have reminded people is, you better not be so casual about economic growth and about our prosperity and about our standard of living. But these numbers are so big, you know, over a million people permanently losing their job, tens of thousands of businesses closing. The list goes on. Well, and of course, the deficit numbers we started with. Well, that's not going to be, you know, yes, we should uh, look at what taxation does, but it better be an incentive to grow. We've got to look at what our expenditures are, but we definitely need economic growth. That's why I think when the government, uh, you know, what happened up to this point is that the government was getting advice, and I agreed with it, that if you're going to lock down the economy, then you've got to provide support for people. We can debate whether they did it the right way or not did it the right way, what have you, but they needed to get immediate money into people's pockets. Well, that's changing. The real challenge is now. That was easy, by the way. Giving away money at a political level is as easy as it comes. You know, oh, I got another answer today. We've got free money for you. You know, of course, it's not free. But the real the real level hits the road when we start looking at what government can do to encourage capital investment to come, which will encourage higher levels of employment, which will, of course, result in lower government expenditures because you won't need the support payments, and obviously result in uh, higher government revenue. So that's the challenge for them. We'll see if they're up to it. Michael, just to, to you know, sharpen the point on this a little bit, um, you had stated earlier, you, you broke it down quite a bit. You said this year alone, every person under 25 got on the hook for how much worth 44, of government? 44000 This year alone, 44000 Now, it depends which province you're in because, you know, for example, Alberta's deficit's high and, you know, proportionally Quebec's is lower, you know, that kind of thing. 
but it's basically that forty to forty-four thousand dollar mark for every young person. Because let's face it, we're never paying back this debt. That's not going to be the intention. So when people say about paying back the debt, I, I say so. No, what you got to look at is what it's cost, the carrying cost. What the just like if you're borrowing, you're never paying it back. You've got a hundred-year mortgage on your house. Yeah. So you got to worry about what the interest payments are. Yeah. That's what will be the big worry. And sorry, I know we've got short of time. I got to tell you. That's where the big disagreement that I have uh, with what's been going on. I'm not blaming anyone. We'll see who's right. I don't think you can make the assumption, despite what the Federal Reserve is saying, despite what the central banks, that interest rates are always going to stay at this level. Because Why? Because they don't control who lends at what price. Uh. What they've been successful doing is manipulating the rates down. Well, how did they do that? They said, hey, if you lend the money, don't worry. I got you covered. Yeah. If they default, I'll cover it for you. So that's why people, you know, were lending. That's why the banks were lending, and that's why, of course, the central government, was, or sorry, the federal government was lending. I'm not sure if that's going to be the scenario five years out. I'm yeah, sure if it's ten years out. Yeah, that's when we'll find out how expensive this debt got. Michael Campbell joining us this afternoon. Always great to chat with you. I could talk to you for another half an hour, but we got to go, Michael. Thanks for this. You're probably wondering if I ever take a breath. No, all good. You're saving my life. (laughs) (laughs) Better you talking than me. Thanks for this. Thank you. Take care. Michael Campbell, of course, the host of Money Talks on the Chorus Radio Network. You can find out more at mikesmoneytalks.ca.